It is officially Super Bowl week. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. Yeah, we'll talk 49ers Chiefs. First, though, the Pro Bowl. Danny was there with Buda Baker. Had a chance to speak with the Cardinals' longest tenured defensive player. What did he have to say? Also, every head coaching vacancy has been filled. Cardinals will play five of the eight teams with new head coaches. Plus, they'll see a familiar face on one of those sidelines. It's Cardinals covered to episode 725, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, one heart, one threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So first things first, welcome back. The last time we spoke here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, you were, well, you had not packed yet, yet even looked at the weather forecast, but you were on your way to Orlando for the Pro Bowl with Buda Baker. And before we get into that, I do need to say something that upon reflection, the whole Trey McBride not being there because we had a conversation that certainly deserving did not happen. Cowboys tight end Jake Ferguson replaced George Kittle, who is now in the Las Vegas ready for the Super Bowl. So that was the replacement player in the NFC. I still think Trey should have been there, but those darn Cowboys. I know. Uh, I appreciate your kind words to welcome me back. If you were curious about the weather, it was surprisingly, I'll even go so far as to say nice, because it didn't rain. And it wasn't as humid as I was expecting it to be. Well, that's good. I know. Did you overpack? Not sure what to pack? No, I actually packed pretty well. I packed pretty well. And I didn't overpack, which is unusual for me. So I packed just the right amount of stuff. So you didn't fit everything in just one backpack or have... Well, I had one suitcase, a carry-on. And then I brought my work backpack because I needed that to go to the stadium to bring some stuff. Okay. But we had a good time. I've seen some of it, and Bird Gang, you might have seen some of it as well. Sideline exchange, Danny had a chance to speak with Buddha, And then earlier on Monday, Buddha Baker white, uh, mic'd up for one of those NFC practices. So that certainly has already been posted. And I've been told, before we hit that record button here for Cardinals Cover 2, that there is more coming. That Danny didn't just do that but she worked extra hard in Orlando. And Matthew Vasky, our video producer who went out, did a great job. Yeah, we got a few things. Still have yet to post. Um, I'm not sure what the schedule is for that because that is out of my jurisdiction. Uh, but yes, Buddha was great. It's It was my first time in Orlando for the Pro Bowl, which is where they used to do it. I went to one two years ago in Vegas. So that was very different, even just logistically of practicing there at a minor league ballpark and having lots of fans in Orlando at Camping World Stadium, a legitimate football stadium. They didn't have fans, uh, so the stands were were empty. They had like community fans and stuff on the field for each practice because the NFC practices separately than the AFC. Um, so it was just different, but it was it's good. It's, it's fun to kind of see those players interact and more so on the Saturday practice, which was the second practice for the teams. You could see the players had loosened up and and gotten to know each other a little more and that's when we had 
Buddha mic'd up and he was wearing a GoPro. And so he was, I thought he was pretty funny doing that. During that mic'd up segment, and I can't quite tell who he was speaking to, but he talked up JT, meaning Jalen Thompson. Was that not Julian Love that wasn't maybe, with Seattle? Their their safety, who was the other starter? Maybe that's who I believe it was. that's who he was talking to. Okay, so all of a sudden it was a conversation. Again, these are you know bits and pieces of longer conversations, but all of a sudden it's JT, and then all of a sudden, you're, oh, you know, how did he do this season? He was balling. He JT was balling. And I was like, oh, yeah, he was. So, but it's and those two, especially since Jalen Thompson arrived here, even though one went to Washington and the other one went to the rival Washington State, or vice versa, depending on your affiliation with either school. But those two have always been lockstep as far as obviously same position, but they have always had that connection since JT arrived. That conversation started because Julian Love from Seattle was talking to Buddha about whether they were in cover two or man or what they were doing. And I think Buddha looked at him to kind of do like a handshake. And Buddha says, yeah, that's what I do with JT is this is what we do. So they were talking about Jalen Thompson, which I thought was really nice to hear Buddha hype up his teammate, his good friend. Buddha actually did the same on sideline exchange with me about his quarterback, Kyler Murray. I'd asked Buddha which offensive player on the NFC team he was happiest to be teammates with rather than have to defend the first name was wide receiver CeeDee Lamb with the Cowboys, which is a fantastic answer. And then he was kind of looking at the quarterbacks, and he was like, you know, we've got some good quarterbacks on this team. He goes, I don't think any of them are better than K1, which I don't think he's necessarily wrong about. Uh, but I thought that was nice, too, is, is he had the opportunity, and he used those opportunities to still hype up his teammates. By the way, CeeDee Lamb, three touchdowns in the flag football game on Sunday in which the NFC beat the AFC 64-59 a weird scoring system because it included the skills competitions on Thursday and then more skills competitions on Sunday I'll say this I did not watch all of the Pro Bowl activities I did watch the dodgeball competition because Buddha participated in that he did have one elimination and then he got eliminated but That's also, a good play by Derrick Henry. Yes. He saw Buddha was looking to see if the guy he threw it at was hit, and then he got Buddha when he wasn't looking. It's a lot of fun to watch. And that and I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about the dodgeball skills competition. It's more of a competition because you could tell that one more than maybe the others really kind of brought out the competitive juices. And it reminds everyone, including myself, and that's the playground. Grade school. You play dodgeball. Until I don't think they do it anymore because it can get very physical with the ball. How hard is that rubber ball? Are you throwing it? Are you aiming it at certain body parts like the head that you probably shouldn't with little kids? So I get why they don't play it anymore. But it is a lot of fun to play. And I think it wasn't a hard rubber ball that they were throwing at one another. I appreciate what the league is doing to try and keep the Pro Bowl games entertaining. I understand the argument that is made that it should be done after the Super Bowl so that the teams who are playing in the Super Bowl, those players who are voted into the Pro Bowl, can participate and you're really getting the best of the best. I kind of like that argument. However, I also understand you have this week break, and so the NFL, right, they want to stay hot. Money is the bottom line for all of this, and if they're going to keep making money this way, that's what they're going to keep doing. I like that they realized everybody was sick of the game because players don't want to get hurt, right? So it was kind of boring to watch. I watched a good amount of it live Sunday, the Pro Bowl games, because I was already back in town. 
And then I watched online on the NFL's YouTube channel. They have the the clips of all the other challenges. And really, I thought it was pretty entertaining. You have the quarterbacks doing the precision passing, and there was some trash talk in the finals between C.J. Stroud and Baker Mayfield and C.J. calling Baker old, and, and Baker was trash talking some of the other quarterbacks trying to get in their heads because you've got Eli Manning coaching the NFC team and Peyton Manning over there with the AFC. You've got the best catch where they had Puka Nakua and, and David Njoku, and that was off-site kind of both with water taking advantage that, of it. Yeah. Orlando, those were pretty cool. And then you had, I like that you're able to integrate the specialists, right? The punters and long snappers and like a little golf challenge where they had Dan Orlovsky because it was all through ESPN kind of out there with them. So I, I do think that the league did a nice job with finding different games and, and really hyping them up. And it seemed like everybody was having a good time doing so. On Sunday, I like that the little, not little, but the other aspects besides the flag football game, they broke up the flag football game after every quarter. The tug of war was really fun to watch and see the different techniques. There was someone on AFC, whoever their anchor was, did the first of what was only two rounds because the NFC won those two rounds. But the anchor on the first leg for the AFC, he was backwards. as almost He was just trying to truck forward with the rope. So seeing the different strategies there and the gauntlet where you had Jason Kelsey on the sled and yes. he was going up and down, bobbing like a rope. Like it was, it's fun to see. I actually really enjoyed it. And and Buddha had a pick in that two-point conversion of the flag football game in did, the end zone. Yeah, it did have the interception, so he did contribute to the NFC's win and also the difference. And this is where, if you didn't watch the whole thing, usually, and you hear this, if you talk with Ron Wolfley, who went to four Pro Bowls, he would always bring this up. But that was back when it was in Hawaii. It gets real competitive in the fourth quarter, down the stretch, because guys realize that there's a winner's check and then there's a loser's check. And depending on how many family and friends went with you to Hawaii or Vegas or wherever you're at, then all of a sudden that calculation starts in your head. (laughs) How much did I really spend this week? Wait a second, I need to win, because the difference, 88000 for the winners, 44000 per player for the losers. So that's a big, significant difference, and that is when all of a sudden, yeah, it's flag football, but a lot more trash talking, a lot more strategy, and it comes down to a fourth down goal line stand. And the eruption from the NFC sideline, when that pass fell incomplete, these players acted like they had won, not a division title, but the conference championship game. I mean, it, 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 it felt like that just watching it. And to your point, Everyone seemed to have a good time, and I think that's the bottom line. And if you were in attendance or watching it on TV, however much you watched, I do think you had fun watching that either as a spectator in the stands or from your living room. I I think it was nicely done when it comes to the production of the skills and, and what the players were doing and then having ESPN, their analysts, and they were talking to players throughout each competition, the way that the Manning brothers were getting involved in the production side of things with the interviews and things like that. It, it was it was fun to watch, and you could tell you're right that it was a fun environment for those that were there in person. It's also fun for the players not only to get to be around the fans and around each other, they do use it as a family vacation spot, especially Orlando more so than 
Vegas, there's on the sideline, there's lots of little kids and, and family members. And I know that Buddha is going out with some family members and Orlando's got a lot to do if you want to do Universal Studios or Disney World or things like that. So you're right. I'm sure that once being a couple days out there with some family members and you're seeing what the bill is racking up to, yeah, they're going <laughs> to they're gonna play a little harder in the fourth quarter to try and get that bigger check. I think there's a happy medium if you you don't want anyone to get hurt, so you try to minimize some of that contact, and yeah, you're going full speed, you're running around, but you're probably doing that anyway, so you don't have pads on, and it does seem that there was more enjoyment out of it this year, even watching it a little bit last season. You talked about the different competitions, and all of a sudden, because I was flipping back and forth, and all of a sudden, okay, the game starts, and you go back to it, and you're like, wait a second, what's, I thought this the game had started and it's a competition and they it's like after each quarter there was something at halftime there was something else so breaking it up to give guys a little bit more because the flag football was basically a seven on seven I mean it wasn't a full 11 on 11 you weren't blocking you're not rushing I mean they did was a couple of different rules in which you could rush the quarterback but by other than that it was it kept everyone engaged no one seemed like they were standing around with nothing to do. I also like, you're talking about flag football, right? There's no offensive line. There, you know, you're not rushing the quarterback. So I like that through the other competitions, it was seemed like a nice blend to involve the skill set of pretty much every position that's on the field. Power, agility, precision, right? They had the long snappers in the centers. They were snapping the ball, and, and that was a competition to try and snap the ball through a hole worth different points depending on how large or the location of the hole on the wall and again with the golf and and tug of war right that strength the gauntlet had different um, aspects to it depending on what your expertise was I think that is a key component as well as every position and what it takes to be good what it takes to be a pro bowler at that position you're able to showcase those skill sets in different competitions Again, Buda Baker making his sixth Pro Bowl, fifth in a row. Your second That's Pro right. Bowl. That's right. I didn't get. I didn't get a. Oh, just to be clear, I don't get a check though. <laughs> no, I you, wish no, I did. <laughs> no check. You. No check for me. Unbiased participant as far yes. as whether you're rooting for, but you did obviously want Buda Baker to succeed. But if you have not seen it, even if you have, I saw. I strongly recommend Sideline Exchange because Danny does a good job of getting these players in a comfortable setting, whether that's on the practice field or on the sideline, literally Sideline Exchange with (laughs) Buda Baker. But a couple of things in which you asked him and his responses. First, about his season. And we've talked about it a number of times here on Cardinals Cover 2 and other platforms that this statistically was not one of Buda Baker's better seasons as far as and he admitted it. I don't have the splash plays. No interceptions, passes, defense, fumble recoveries, forced fumbles, none of that, no sacks. Yet he told you that he felt 2023 was, quote, one of the best seasons of my career, end quote. And from his perspective, maybe it was. But as a fan, as you're watching the game live, you're like, well, he doesn't do anything. There's nothing on a piece of paper. But Buddha's often said, no one's targeting me. The ball's not coming in my direction, and that's by design. Quarterback drops back to pass, surveys the field. Yeah, three is on the left side. I'm going to the right side, and you can't do anything about it. There's ways to get Buda more involved, bring him up to the line of scrimmage, play him in the box, which the Cardinals did a number of times. But there were a lot of times in which the assignment was to 
cover a particular side of the field or a zone, and there was not a lot of activity for Buddha this season. There's more than just the stats and a lot of positions. Now, being a DB, yeah, you're going to look at the stats to determine somebody's performance from that year of how many catches did they allow or interceptions or forced fumbles or fumble recoveries, things of that nature. And you're right. Buddha said so himself that he recognizes he did not have those splash plays. He missed five games due to an injury. His presence is noticeable when he's on the field because you notice it when he wasn't on the field. And and you notice that in communication. You notice that in tackling. Buddha has some of the best techniques when you're talking about players on that defense and his ability to make sure everybody is on the same page and elevate those around him. Even if you're not going to have the numbers show up on a stat sheet, all those intangibles, plus the tangibles of him making those tackles, is so vital. Despite missing five games, Buda Baker finished with 87 tackles. That is a high number for a DB. That was second most on the team. Now, the player who had the most tackles was linebacker Kaiser White, who missed, I believe, six games. So whether that's good or bad, if you're talking about your top two team tacklers missing time of that's how good they were, or maybe an area you're looking to improve the defense moving forward. Still, when you're looking, even though you don't have the splash plays, you can't argue that Buda does not impact this defense significantly. And we've seen it a number of times when Buda Baker is not on the field, maybe not even on the sideline, what it does to the defense, what it does to the team. There are just a handful of players, and I would include James Conner in this conversation as well, that their presence, yes, they're talented on the football field, but just their presence alone kind of uplifts everyone around them. And that's that's hard to pinpoint on a stat sheet That's hard sometimes to come up with how much are you worth to a team when at the end of the day it always comes down to your stats. But there are certain players, and every team has these players. That's why some teams value certain players, their own players, more than they would some other player on another team. I think Buda Baker is that. Plus, he's earned a reputation around the league. Head coaches from opposing teams, they are aware of what Buda Baker can do when he is targeted, when he is made a part of a particular play. So your best is just to avoid at all costs. That says a lot. Two-thirds of the votes to make it to the Pro Bowl are the, the coaches and the players around the league. And despite missing a handful of games and not having those splash plays, Buda Baker has earned the respect of his colleagues around the league that he still made the Pro Bowl. It's not uncommon that when a four-win team finishes the season with four wins, you're not going to have a lot of Pro Bowlers. Now, we've talked about there were still a handful of Cardinals who deserved to make the Pro Bowl, regardless of that record. Safety Jalen Thompson, tight end Trey McBride, running back James Conner, rookie tackle Paris Johnson Jr. Something else when you're talking about the intangibles that Buddha adds to this team, I mean, think about what we saw from him last season the shoulder injury and the ankle and what he's been playing through these, what he's been willing to play through these last few years, just because he cares so much about being on the field, the passion that we saw on hard knocks in the locker room when this Cardinals team was struggling under the old regime and and the emotion that he had and how much he cared about this game and this team and this organization, those still matter. And, And I do think it says a lot that Buddha has earned the respect around the league that he has 
to make his sixth Pro Bowl in seven years of being in the league, and he's the only safety in the NFL to have made the last five Pro Bowls as a starter. It's impressive. The only number that Budabaker does care about is the totals as far as wins and losses. And he mentioned that to you as well as part of that sideline exchange. Buda was very complimentary of general manager Monty Austin Ford and head coach Jonathan Gannon about building the foundation, the winning culture, and being excited for the future. Yet there's always that conversation about the unknown because a year ago we were walking into an offseason with a lot of unknown. And according to reports, Buda Baker asked to be traded. There were conversations that happened, and the Cardinals did right by Buddha as far as reworking some portions of his contract. No more guaranteed money, but as far as moving things around to be, at least make Buddha happier to be a part of this team. But he's going into the final year of his contract. There is no guaranteed money in 2024. Now, if he's on the roster after final cuts, his contract that final year becomes fully guaranteed as a veteran. But there are conversations, whether that's fans or media, wondering about the future of Buda Baker. And this is not just Buda alone, but any player going to the final year of your contracts and you're getting up in age, at least football-wise, he's 28, just turned 28 in January. And we just talked glowingly about what Buda Baker brings tangibly and the, maybe more importantly, intangibles. I would hope that Buda Baker is on this team, not only this upcoming season, but beyond that the Cardinals make Buda Baker a Cardinal for however long he wants to play. Agreed 100%. It doesn't surprise me, it didn't surprise me, that just coming in as a new general manager, not just to the Cardinals, but for the first time in his career, that Monty Ossoffort did not give Buda Baker the contract extension that was presume, presumably why Buda Baker had asked to be traded. Because... Buddha had two more years at that point on his contract. You're right. They did write by him, gave him, you know, we don't know the details, but kind of reworked his contract, gave him a little more money last year. Buddha could very likely not want to be traded because now he's had a year with, under Awesome Fort and head coach Jonathan Gannon and defensive coordinator Nick Rollis and understanding where this defense and this team is going. This could very much be the place that he wants to be. It'll be interesting, though, as we start to get a little further into the offseason, because typically those reports don't really happen kind of till the season ends of after the Super Bowl, closer to the Combine in early March, those those kinds of times. Um, it'll be interesting if maybe we're wrong and maybe Buddha still feels that way and that's something that's expressed. He might not express it publicly if he does still feel that way. But again, after the year that the Cardinals had, not talking about just four wins, but what we saw from this team, from this defense, and the fight that they have and the foundation that's been set. You you could see an extension this year. This would be the time. It wouldn't have, in my opinion, made sense last year with two years on the deal, especially because is that the kind of precedent that a new general manager wants to set? Usually not. Now going into a contract year, it'll be interesting if this becomes a bigger topic in the offseason, if either side kind of becomes vocal about it, and if something is done. I'm not sure the difference of last year to this year in terms of a trade value or if that's something the Cardinals are even interested in, but I would I would think that if, if Buddha happens to still feel the same way, we'll hear about it within the next couple of weeks. I do think something 
happens. Again, whether that's an extension or something done to the contract as it is, or hopefully not, but Buda Baker is traded. Again, these are all options on the table. I do think something gets done just because of the fact that you talk about the salary cap and Buda's cap hit is the third highest on the team. And typically when you're looking for more money to spend in free agency or trying to figure out how do I fit everything under the salary cap so you address certain things. You change contract terms, you turn things into a signing bonus so you give more money up front, and then you kind of, as they say, kick the can down the road. You're never satisfied with where your salary cap is as a general manager. You just try to make it more manageable immediately and then kind of with one eye kind of look towards That's the future. That's tomorrow's problem, right? Exactly. Yeah, everyone does it in all walks of life. See, maybe that would make me a good GM, as I'm not very good at math. So if you just tell me I can do this now and then worry about all that later. Yeah. Your tomorrow self yeah, hates your today self. Problem. Yes. Sure. Sure. So something to keep an eye on as we continue to get further and further into the offseason. Obviously, this is Super Bowl week. you got the scouting combine, and then free agency begins. And speaking of Super Bowl week, 49ers, Chiefs, both in Las Vegas, Monday night is opening night where everyone and their mom basically gets to go to Allegiant Stadium if you want, can figure out a credential. I don't even know how many different media members are credentialed and maybe even some non-media members, but it's always an entertaining night, if you will, maybe even more so considering that it's in Las Vegas. Golly, a week in Vegas, Craig? A week in Vegas. Isn't isn't the max supposed to be like forty eight hours? Yeah. Yes. Oof. Now, coaches and players that are participating in the game, they're so far. I was going to say the they've got to be far. They're at least 20, when we went, when we went for the Pro Bowl, they very wisely had everybody as far away from the strip as possible. So I would imagine it's probably the same setup for the Super Bowl. Now I understand you're headed. Sure am. Not for a week. I could not handle that. (laughs) I couldn't handle that emotionally, physically, financially. No way, Jose. I am going for two days. That is my plan. Um, It's just it's it's close enough to where I can drive and not have to buy an outrageously priced plane ticket to go see some colleagues, just kind of network and meet new people and kind of just experience that. We did get to experience it a little last year when he was Arizona, but you know, we are working some of the events and things of that nature. And again, mostly just because it's close enough to where I can make it work. And I've got a good number of friends who are going, most of them, to work in some capacity for whichever, you know, organization they work for. Others are also just kind of going for fun. So I'm excited. Again, the plan is to not be there for longer than <laughs> 48 hours. So I sh- I'm not even planning on staying the game i want to watch that on a couch comfortably (laughs) it's become what many people do if you're there for a week or four or five days is everyone bolts town saturday because traffic because everyone else leave if you're listening leave sunday yeah you leave saturday or first thing sunday morning because everyone wants to watch the game if you're not attending the game but yeah all the extra activities surrounding the game by the way a year ago you mentioned it. This game was in our backyard. That doesn't feel like a year ago. I know. It feels like five years ago, <laughs> 10 years ago. But it wasn't that long ago. 
It was not. The only thing now I'm missing is waste management open. Are you going? The I people's am, open, Craig. I am not going this year. Oh. And hopefully, knock on wood, the weather holds up this week and everything. Oh, it's supposed to rain this weekend, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. At least early in the week, middle of the week. That's not going to stop everyone at Hole 16. No, of course not. No, of course not. That would be a sight to see in the rain. I'm sure that would be fun. By the way, it's early in the week of Super Bowl week, but the biggest controversy so far, have you seen this? Uh, maybe not. The San Francisco 49ers, according to reports, are unhappy with the field conditions in which they will be practicing at UNLV. Apparently, the grass is too soft. Is that is that the new thing? Weren't people complaining about that out here yes. in Arizona? Field conditions. Everything needs to be perfect. No excuses. I understand this is the highest level and you want to have the best of the best, especially before the biggest game of not only the year, but a lot of players' careers. But you're right, at some point, like, (laughs) can you not practice on on the grass that they have out there for you? It's, It's not like they're not prepping this and they're, you know, expecting these these teams to come out there. Apparently, UNLV has like field turf, but they put grass on top of the turf, and it's just too soft. Again, maybe this Nothing's is all. Nothing's good enough for the San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> Craig. Is that what you're? Is that what you're telling me? Oh no, I'm just telling you right now. Here, it's day one of Super Bowl week, and this <laughs> is the big topic of discussion. Not the game, by the way. 49ers Chiefs. Who do you like? We've already. I've Oof. already made myself very Oof. clear I that like I want no part of the 49ers winning this game. I know. It's just, are we tired of seeing the Chiefs win? I guess. I, uh, do I have to pick a team? Well, can't end in a tie, so we don't have that. So I don't know. Mm. Some Someone's going to win this game, I guess Danny. I'll pick <laughs> the Chiefs. Okay. Ugh, I don't really want either team to win, to be honest. Okay. But I'll, I'll go fair. with the Chiefs. I feel like, well, it's interesting. I feel like the 49ers do a nice job where, regardless of how the game kind of starts or where they see themselves at halftime, they do a nice job of staying consistent and true to their identity and who they are and and not abandoning the run, especially if they're behind. I think it all kind of comes down to ball security and accuracy of quarterback Brock Purdy and, and what kind of game he has. It's kind of what it comes down to for the 49ers. And and the Chiefs, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, they, they find a way to get the job done, no matter how much time is left, how many points they're behind, whatever it might be, you can never count them out. I think a lot of people are expecting a high-scoring game or at least points late 20s, you know, in the 30s, but you forget that the Chiefs and 49ers, those are two of the top three scoring defenses in the league, and maybe a big reason why these teams are where they're at is because of the defense and the ability to shut down the other team's best offensive weapons. So, I'm not saying it's going to be 13 to 10 or 7 to 6. I think everyone would be surprised by that. But that's kind of a storyline that is not going to get a lot of attention just because it's always about the quarterbacks and the pass catchers, the skill players, and that's where everyone focuses their attention. If you're a Raiders fan, is this the worst oh, yes, possible outcome absolutely. having the Chiefs come to town and play in a Super Bowl in your stadium? How about this? Not only that, not only your heated rival within your division but once upon a time the 49ers and Raiders were basically That's right. across the bridge from one <laughs> not basically they were across the bridge from each other in the Bay Area and there was some good times and there were some bad times but now in Al Davis's stadium 
He's got the 49ers playing the Chiefs. He's also going to have Taylor Swift, Craig. Perhaps he can make <laughs> it back from Tokyo. Honestly, you know what's going to be the most impressive part of the Super Bowl? Is when they show on the broadcast the people who are spending, no exaggeration, a million dollars to have those seats on the field, those where it looks like a club and you've got the fancy food and the granite countertops and the plush chairs and you've got a TV in front of you if you don't feel like looking up six inches to look right out in front of you onto the field. That's going to be the most impressive part is seeing everybody who can afford, which of course it's Vegas, plenty of people can afford it, but seeing people who can afford those suites. I actually saw online last week, Christian McCaffrey's mom was talking about how like they're not even getting a suite because despite how much Christian McCaffrey makes and his fiance, who's a big time model, she was like, the suites are so expensive. (laughs) Those on-field suites or field-level suites some of those, I just don't know if that's a good place to watch a game because that's not traffic. why they're there. No, no, I, I get that. But if you're if you're going to spend the money, I want to at least be able to watch the game. And if there's traffic in front of me, which is basically just a bunch of feet, you know, people are standing in my. I'm looking out. My eyes are just seeing legs. I mean, that's right. That's I think no, it's at least high up enough to where you will hopefully be able to see over. You're talking about like photographers and videographers and those people right or outside Or even just the like zone. regular, you know, league personnel right. or depending I, on where the suites are, you've got players just, you know, they're not moving. I still think those are better than some stadiums that have the suites where you are technically below ground level. So you really are eye level yeah. with people's feet and ankles and you have to look up at the Jumbotron. No better venue than State Farm Stadium, though. That's what we're getting at. Yes. Um, by the way, speaking of State Farm Stadium, and next season, the home schedule. Oh, boy. Someone's coming back to State Farm Stadium. Tell me who's coming to town besides Santa, Craig. Oh, I like what you did there. Easter Bunny? No. Um, this was fascinating on how it all played out because I believe it was while you were in Orlando on I Friday. I was getting the alerts, though. Cliff Kingsbury reportedly was set to become the Raiders' offensive coordinator. Then on Saturday, he withdrew from consideration per his agents, and then all of a sudden he became a hot name with the Washington Commanders' OC job. And then Monday, it's official. Cliff Kingsbury is the offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders, and the Commanders come to State Farm Stadium in 2024. That's what it was. If if Cliff Kingsbury went to Vegas, he would have had to wait until 2026 to come to State Farm Stadium. But now going to Washington under new head coach Dan Quinn, he gets to come here in 2024. He must really miss us. See some familiar faces. Here's, here's the interesting part. Besides him just landing a job back in the NFL after being with USC this past year and getting to face the Cardinals in his return. What does this mean for the draft? Because everybody's right. The wheels are spinning 100 miles per hour because the whole talk is around USC quarterback Caleb Williams. Chicago has the first overall pick. Washington has second. The question is, do the Bears want a quarterback or are they going to keep Justin Fields? And if they want a quarterback, is it Caleb Williams? Well, Cliff Kingsbury has got plenty of experience. If he feels that Caleb Williams could be the type of starting quarterback that he would want as the OC in Washington, and everybody's on the same page there. Does Washington trade up from two to one with Chicago in the draft? In which case leaves you two options. If they want a quarterback, 
it depends on if they feel like there are two quarterbacks where they feel like they could win either way. It's kind of the discussion with C.J. Stroud and, and Bryce Young. I feel like of you have two good options, which one do you want to go with? Maybe if Chicago feels good enough about two quarterbacks, they would be okay dropping down a spot and landing with one of those quarterbacks. If Chicago doesn't want a quarterback, Craig, this is where it could affect the Cardinals, who, according to a lot of mock drafts, are landing Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. And if Chicago doesn't want a quarterback, they could absolutely use a top wide receiver, Craig. Everyone likes to connect dots around this time. Fast or go back in 2019 when Cliff Kingsbury hired as Cardinals head coach and that video surfaced of Cliff at Texas Tech saying I would draft Kyler Murray number one if I had the first overall pick. But then what did he say when he came to the Cardinals? Well, it was at that time, Josh <laughs> Rosen's my guy, and then it was for now, right now, and then obviously Kyler Murray is the first pick of the Arizona Cardinals. Now it's because of Cliff's connection with Caleb Williams at USC, where he was an offensive analyst for the Trojans last season. And now at number two, if you're the commanders, do you like Caleb Williams that much? Did you like him that much before hiring Cliff Kingsbury? Do you like him now more after hiring Cliff Kingsbury? And then as you talked about, okay, well, if the Chicago Bears just move back a spot, they can still draft a quarterback. Or is some other team in the mix for those first three positions before the Cardinals hear their name on the clock? I, it's going to be a fascinating conversation and debate over these next several weeks until we get to April because the top three teams all need quarterbacks. Cardinals don't and could have their pick at the best player overall, who many believe is Marvin, or maybe it's a player at another position of need, i.e. offensive line. I think it'll be interesting to see Kingsbury work as an offensive coordinator. I, I think in hindsight that that probably would work better for him. I think maybe being a head coach of just having to have your hand kind of in everything. He's such an offensive-minded coach. It'll be interesting to see, again, depending on which quarterback Washington ends up drafting and using for the future. It'll be interesting to see him kind of work as just an OC and not have to worry about everything else and have a defensive-minded head coach and Dan Quinn coming from Dallas where he was the D.C. for the last couple of years. I know that there was, rightfully so, a lot of frustrations when Kingsbury was here in terms of game management or creativity or, you know, running the ball and kind of more that style. Um, I can't foresee him having a different style than how he liked to call plays when he was here in Arizona. So it'll be interesting to see how he does out in Washington. Has his offensive philosophy shifted as all, uh, if at all, as far as shotgun versus under center? That will be interesting to see. But to your point, when you're the head coach, you have a number of different things across your desk. As a coordinator, a position coach, very little crosses your plate as far as everything else is this better? Is Cliff better suited to be a coordinator at the NFL level? I never thought he was going to go back to college outside of just you know an offensive assistant. Right, not, not back as a head coach. No, no, no. Just because as much as he complained about <laughs> everything else that he had to deal with, but now he can focus on what he likes to do. Watch film, 
draw up plays. How many times did we walk by his office? If he was in there, there was film being watched. He was sitting there diagramming, doing something, and now he can just focus strictly. Whoever the quarterback is, whoever he'll be working with, but now this might be the perfect situation for Cliff. Even if it was with the Raiders, I'd be saying the same thing because he can now just focus on one side of the football as opposed to both and then have everything else come in a number of different directions. I agree. I, I think, it, again, it'll be interesting to see. It wouldn't really surprise me if he does find success, kind of more so now being having that niche of just really calling plays and working with the offense. So it'll be interesting to see when uh, whenever they come to State Farm Stadium. Do you think that warrants like a week one <laughs> matchup, that, that head-to-head of Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and the return? I, I, I wonder... When you, because there are three first-year head coaches that the Cardinals will play this season. There's Mike McDonald with the Seahawks, Dave Canellos with the Panthers, and Gerard Mayo with the Patriots. Now, you got Jim Harbaugh. He's been a head coach before. Dan Quinn, a head coach before. But when you're walking into a new situation, is it better to see these teams early in the year when they're still trying to figure things out or later in the season when you actually have some tangible game film on what they like to do offensively or defensively? That's a good question. I think there are advantages and disadvantages to both. I would think it would benefit the Cardinals more so seeing those coaches later in the year when you have some film. I think kind of similarly almost to the Cardinals this past year of, right, we saw some flashes early on and then it kind of felt like as the season went on not to say that the Cardinals weren't getting in their way but it did seem like whoever they were playing had a better idea of what to expect offensively and defensively from this team the good news is and if the commanders are successful as an offense under Cliff you only get to see them once this season and then you won't see them for a while I don't remember I don't know what the rotation is but it's not like you face the commanders every single season like you do Seahawks 49ers twice a year so you do have that going for you and earlier on Monday Dan Quinn officially introduced as the commander's head coach talked about hiring Cliff reminds him of the of the decision when he hired Kyle Shanahan as the OC oh boy in Atlanta oh boy we about to get a so oh man a Cliff Kingsbury tree is that what's next I don't know I'm happy for Cliff. I'm glad he's getting Agreed. another opportunity. He again, I can only I can only judge people how they treat me and Cliff treated me very well. He was always polite and I think he did a lot for this Arizona Cardinals team and certainly our department. So I got nothing bad to say about the man, the coach. Yes, it didn't end well here, but again, that's nothing against Cliff Kingsbury the person. Agreed. Same in terms of interacting as a person and then as a media department, just the access and and what we got from him and his staff and his players, all that. Yeah, absolutely. Very grateful for what we got when he was here. Be good to see Cliff. I'm I'm sure he looks the same. I'm sure he does. And I'm actually kind of glad it's not the Raiders because to your point, now you get to see him this season as opposed to waiting until whatever I think Darren Urban figured it out if it was the Raiders it would have been like 2026 or 2028 or whatever. Yes I think 2026 here in Arizona and then 2030 in Vegas. That's yeah no we no let's bring back Cliff this season (laughs) this is good I like it all right so I'll ask you the same question I asked you one week ago are you packed yet? No okay I have done laundry so I've got clean clothes (laughs) so I should be able to pack soon enough 
But again, I'm driving, so oh, I can true. overpack out oh, the yeah, wazoo. Oh, yeah, matter. Yeah, I'll be fine. Okay. Lots well, of options. Drive safe. Thank you. Enjoy. I'll do my best. Okay. And we what ex- do you, for Super Bowl, do you make a, a dish? No. Or something you fit, no? Green bean casserole? No, sorry. No. No. I don't know. I don't know what we'll do. I have no idea. Okay. I didn't have this decision to make a year ago because I was at the game. That's right. Cross that off my bucket list. Nice. You're going to have buffalo chicken dip. Maybe some sliders. Okay. I'll have to think what else. You Those can, are staples, I feel like, though. You can think of Wings, uh, wings for sure. Wings and buffalo chicken dip have to have. Okay. I can keep thinking for you. I'm just going to get hungry talking about this. So <laughs> You can continue your thought process on your drive up to Vegas and on the return back. <laughs> Have fun, Danny. On that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.